there, prolific authors. Welcome back to the Prolific Author Podcast. How is everyone's week of writing going? Well, I hope. I am finally making some headway in a lot of the things that I've been trying to get done. It's been one of those things where I've had insane to-do list for like six months, but I'm finally getting my academy put together on the platform that I want and in the way that I want. Uh, it's not done yet, but I'm really, really close. And I'm also making some headway about getting back to streamlining my writing. So that makes me really, really excited. I probably have another week or two of really intensive work. And then I feel like things will kind of get back to normal. And I will be able to focus a little bit more on my readers and on my writing. So I'm super excited for that. Speaking of writing, let me ask you a question. Do you ever struggle with how to convey backstory? There's a lot of different ways to convey that backstory. And some of them become, I, I hate to use the word cliche, but especially within your own writing, if you do the same thing over and over and over again, it can get to feel uh, a little bit redundant, right? And your readers might like to see you change it up a little bit and, and find a new way to convey that backstory. Well, that is what we're talking about today. Um, I have a power coaching call with MK Sawyer, who I have had on the podcast before. She was a little bit stuck with how to convey her villain's backstory. So we basically just um, talk and hash out and brainstorm some different ways to do that. And I thought this might be valuable for anyone else who has ever struggled with the same thing. So I'm just going to let you hop into the interview and then I'll be back at the end with a couple of thoughts. Welcome to the Prolific Author Podcast. Let's face it, readers read fiction to feel emotion and be transported and transformed. In this ongoing digital revolution, where online marketing is always in flux, the only way to create a sustainable author business and live off your royalties is to write transformational stories, market at every stage of the author journey, and cultivate a loyal audience of readers. Fortunately, there's never been more opportunity to make a living as a fiction author. Hi, I'm Liesl Hill. USA Today best-selling author and story clarity coach. When I'm not dictating my own stories about dragons, serial killers, and dystopian worlds, I help other authors write their own transformational fiction, position them as bestsellers, and market them like pros. Join me on the podcast where I give writing tips, marketing how-tos, story advice, and interviews with other authors who are in the trenches just like you and making it work. We are prolific authors. So you are trying to hash out your third book, and, and is this just going to be a trilogy, right? Yep. Okay. So um, why don't we start with what you have so far? All right. So basically, I have my characters splitting up into three different directions to find three different objects. So I'm juggling a couple different perspectives, I think five or maybe six, and three subplots for part of the book before they all come back together. And I'm running into trouble because this is where we really learn about the villain's story and how he became the villain. And I'm trying to figure out the best way to tell his story because the characters need to know this. And I do like the idea of telling at least part of it from the villain's perspective so we get a deeper understanding, but I'm trying to figure out how to do that, but also give the characters that deep understanding too. And like, I don't want them to completely drop into his perspective by reading it all in a journal or having a vision from his perspective. Cause I did a lot of that in the last book and it would just be too samey. And okay. yeah, so my two main heroes are basically chasing this villain through time and they get to see a glimpse of him before he was the villain. And I don't want his story to take over theirs cause they still need to be having their own arcs and their own story while they're learning his. <laughs> And I'm picturing this kind of like Dumbledore taking Harry through the pensive to learn how Voldemort came to be Voldemort and how to defeat him. 
And I don't know how to maybe distill my villain story into a few key events like that and fill uh-huh. in the gaps. And they don't have like an all-knowing Dumbledore type character to lead them through and fill in those gaps. So I'm just trying to figure out how this is going to work. <laughs> okay, okay. wise So yeah, you're trying to format it and figure out the perspective. So my first question is, you said that you had, you've got the three different objects, which they're searching for, mm-hmm. but five different viewpoints. So yeah, so uh, t- tell me how that's, tell me how that's all split up. So is there multiple? Okay, okay. So I have two characters going one way, chasing the villain and he's, the villain's probably going to have his perspective at some point too. Then I have one character going into the past and one staying in the present. So I guess that would just be five. Present. So splitting into groups. <laughs> okay. So I see what you mean. So one past, one present, and then you've got the two chasing the villain. So those three are kind of mm-hmm. one of the storylines, right? Okay. Yeah. And those three are mostly going to be future. One. Right. The villain's going to kind of pop all over the place because he's spontaneously traveling through time and trying to stabilize himself so he can cause mayhem. Right. Okay. So um, your first problem is how to tell the villain's backstory. So, I mean, you know, do you know what the villain's whole backstory is? Have do you have it mostly mapped out? Mostly. Okay. So doubts. what I would recommend then is you still have my nine plot points somewhere. Mm-hmm. Do you need me to send that to you again? Um, yeah. Go through your villain story and, and, and categorize it based on the nine plot points mm-hmm. into, so that you have specific events or scenes and that will make about nine of them, but you can also combine those and, um, you know, take out anything that's, you feel is, you know, extraneous detail or anything like that. And maybe you can kind of by combining them, distill them down into like four or five things that you could show in scenes or in chapters. Um, from there, let's see. I'm trying to, uh, we can just brainstorm some different ways that you could have them find it. Um, are there, from what I remember of your story, are their parents going to play any kind of role in this? Um, that will be in the backstory or the the plot line that's in the past, but the villain and the parents, okay. I don't think are going to cross paths. Okay. What about something like, um, because you have people that, I mean, obviously you have some time travel going on. You also have people that have visions. Um, could there be some sort of magical object or like the clock? I was thinking about the clock or, or even the tower um, mm. that somehow, like, like, like you said, like the Harry Potter can see, like connects to those events and just shows them kind of snapshots at a time would something like that work possibly i mean maybe they can find a way to manipulate oh maybe that's how they time travel because i haven't figured that out yet but manipulating <laughs> the big powerful clock that kind of runs everything okay yeah that could um, possibly work and the other problem because i thought about them like actually following him and being there physically but then i think okay so how are they just going to spy on him and some of these more private sinister moments without being right. seen too. Hmm. Okay. Well, and just try to make it and see, cause I'm doing something like this in my Intercron series, which you haven't actually read for a long time. And I don't have like a, a clock or anything like that specific, but I have flashbacks that are tied to really important events. Mm-hmm. And 
not until the end do I reveal that those were actually very purposely placed. So if you have something like, I, I mean, this was just off the top of my head, but I was thinking if the parents somehow knew what would be important and spelled the clock in such a way that they could, you know what I mean, go to those points in time and witness those events or, or, or something like that, that you could, okay. you know, adapt to your story. Something like that could kind of work because there are future seers, like the mother sees the future. And I'm thinking that she did know a lot of what would happen and did kind of set things up so that they'd work a certain way. Mm -hmm. So that could be up to her. Okay, that's a good idea. Okay. Those are always good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, let's see, did you have questions about your point of views, the, the five points of view, or? Um, trying to think how they could get really good insight into the villains, just why he does these things when they're not actually in his head. And I don't think, he, right. I mean, maybe he could tell them some way. <laughs> maybe he knows that they're finding it out and maybe he just wants to tell them, you know, being, maybe that's the kind of person he is and I mean, they could do some reading. I don't want it to be a lot of book reading, but I mean, that's always an yeah. option. They need some key pieces of information from his perspective. Um, well, um, <laughs> so with that, what I would suggest is go through each each scene that you're going to do from the villain and figure out what you want the characters to know. So okay. what, what insight that you want them to glean and then just kind of reverse engineer and figure out how you could have them learn that. So you, you don't have to stick to one thing throughout the whole book. Maybe at one point he tells them, maybe at one point they find a letter, maybe at one point um, he, they see him telling someone else his reasons. Um, I don't know how is, uh, do we have Catherine or anybody in this who might've been there and might know some of his Possibly. reasons that could maybe give some insight? Maybe, because at the end of the last book, Catherine and Joan kind of merge, just like Tomas and Tiago merge. So they uh -huh. do have more past insight. And they do have Ariel, who doesn't know actually know that much about this villain, even though he's served him for thousands of years. Right. Maybe between the three of them, <laughs> they could yeah. something. And with Gabby's past visions, maybe they could do that too. And, you know, that could be fun, because I always love, mm -hmm. um, I, I do this more in my mystery than in my... Um, fantasy but it's, it's just kind of something fun to have a character witness something see something hear something that's completely innocuous and they just don't think much about it and then when they get information they kind of it like clicks for them of what they were seeing and the importance of what they saw so it could be something like you could even use it as like a um what do you call it a um prologue or something where you know ariel sees something and it just kind of seems like random like okay that was weird you know and then once you start learning about this character he goes hey you know what this one time i actually saw him do this you know what i mean and then kind of get some insight that way just based on things that he didn't even know were important but i mean you could do that with any character yeah and i'm i'm getting the sense <laughs> that we do need some flashbacks from ariel of just random things that happen because he is trying to his arc right now is he's trying to figure himself out and disentangle his will from that of the villain. Mm -hmm. and so that's something he would probably need to do anyway, but that could absolutely work. Maybe I just need to brainstorm all different ways they could possibly glean information and then put it up with Yeah. Me. Yeah. Okay. I mean, honestly, because, I, and again, like this is how a lot of times I do my mysteries, like figure, like I said, you just kind of have to be 
logical about it and creative at the same time, which sounds mm -hmm. contradictory, but um, do like a, you know, however you do it, a, a brainstorming, a mind map of everything that they, I would start with everything that you're going to show, you know, all the different scenes, like I said, and then do a one of every possible way you could think of that they could figure something out and then which insights they need to have, like what you want the audience to know, not only what happened, but the insights that you want them to have about why he did that. And then just start connecting them. You know what I mean? Be like, okay, well, for this scene, I need them to know that. How can they figure this out? And then for this scene, I need them to know this. What's a different way they could figure this out? You know what I mean? And then you can just kind of start There's filling out the scenes that way. Oh, <laughs> well, that's a good idea. I've, oh, I've got like brainstorms upon brainstorms that I'm having a hard time pulling it all together because normally I'm a discovery writer and I'm trying to fix that right. because the editing process is a nightmare. Yeah. And it's just hard to bridge that gap between like, okay, brainstorms to a nice, pretty organized outline. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, it doesn't even have to be nice, pretty organized. I mean, just the problem with keeping stuff in your head is that you forget it and then you remember later and then you're writing and you're like, oh yeah, I want to do this. I totally forgot. You know what I mean? So I would, I would bring it, it, like I said, it doesn't have to be pretty, even if you have like scribbles all over a paper and circles and lines and arrows going every which way, at least you kind of have it down. And then yeah. when you sit down to write it, you'll at least have a lot to extrapolate from. And the other thing is once you start writing, you might be like, oh, okay, I'm changing all of that. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you'll get inspiration as you're writing and that's fine too, but at least you'll have a jumping off point and kind of yeah. an idea of what you need to have in each scene. Okay. So what happens, what they need to know in each scene and how they can find it out. All right. Three steps. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Always keep it simple. Don't be yeah. like me and do like the 270 steps that like doesn't help. <laughs> Goodness, no. Okay. Good. That feels less overwhelming now because I have like this ridiculous list of maybe they figure out an invisibility spell and just all these things like to the point where it gets unruly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you got to throw the sparkly pink unicorn in there just to kind of get your juices flowing, but yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so what else are you struggling with on this? Um, that's my biggest one, is figuring out how to tell the villain's story. Okay. Um, and with my character who's going into the past, basically she's meeting up with her parents and finding an object she thinks they have. And I'm I have a lot of things that she needs to learn from them, but I'm trying to balance that out with things to do. Like, honestly, it just, so far, it's a lot of talking and that's not very action oriented and it's kind of boring. So I'm trying to figure out the best way to marry, you know, balance action with information. Mm -hmm. And um, so maybe, again, I'm going to go totally logical on you, figure out what she needs to learn, right? You know, and, and fill in whatever scenes you already have, whatever action scenes you already have, mm -hmm. but figure out all the different things you want her to learn and then brainstorm they can be pretty small and you can even combine, you know, two or three things to a scene if that works better. Just ways that have to do with her and your world. I mean, which, which character is this? Is this, um, Gabby. Gabby. Okay. Mm -hmm. So based on what Gabby can do and what she's done in the past, you know what I mean? Um, maybe have her parents show her how to do things rather than just telling her, you know, if they have that ability. Um, another thing that I find fun and I was going to say, actually, this is really good because 
I'm getting into Raleigh and I'm, I'm doing the same thing with Raleigh. There's stuff he's got to learn. And so I'm having to come up with like little tasks and trials for him in order to get him to learn the magic that he needs to learn. So, I mean, another fun thing is just to go, you know, get on Pinterest. I'm giving you permission to get on Pinterest and go waste some time there and uh, look at like fantasy prompts and just for like, if you have fantasy prompts and say, you know, could I use this specifically for Luna to help her learn something? And you'll find plenty that just won't work. But every once in a while, you'll go, ooh, ooh, yeah, I could, I could do that. And I could make it like, you know what I mean? So just kind of brainstorm, relax your brain and kind of let it, let the ideas flow. And then just when you have some stuff you like, you can kind of solidify down into actual tasks and chapters that she'll do to learn what she needs to learn from her parents. Okay, that's good. Yeah, actually, now that you mentioned it, this whole book is balancing doing with learning because it's a lot of information characters need to learn and that is even more important than the objects they're trying to find mm. but and that's kind of ariel's deal too because he stays in the present and honestly everything he needs to learn he could do sitting in one room just thinking and reading the stuff that he <laughs> finds i'm like well that's boring so i need yeah. to figure out tasks for him to do too <laughs> but i can just do the same thing like what he needs to learn brainstorm how and I think I need to throw in some more complications that stop them from getting whatever they're looking for. Like, oh, hey, I know where that object is. Nope, it just got stolen or something like that. <laughs> Figure out how that goes. Right, right. Uh, and it could be too that, um, keep in mind, even as they're learning these things and kind of gaining this knowledge and this power, there might be a cost for it, you know? So maybe it's, Two steps forward one step back and then there's going to be more things they have to deal with those can those can qualify as complications too okay those are all good ideas oh, so much cerebral stuff in this <laughs> um yeah other than that like going pretty well and I <laughs> mostly just show up every day and I dance around all my notes and try to find a place in but it is starting to come together and I'm seeing where it's going and how it's going to work and then you always just find different places to get stuck <laughs> yeah 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 it's... well and what about what about internal arcs have you looked at those are actually going pretty well surprisingly okay. <laughs> that's good yes yeah, like having an opposite problem with this that I usually have yeah so. Well, and another thing you can do is try to, like, once you kind of have at least an idea of what you want, what we've already discussed, start marrying the internal arcs to the external action and kind of just see what happens and what kind of um, comes out of that. Because it could be that the internal arcs drive the external arcs a little bit more or, or vice versa, you know. Or test them or. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Everything I do is so intuitive with writing and I usually work it out as I go, but to kind of <laughs> do a top-down approach like this and I'm just observing it all from above instead of getting right into it. It's very, very yeah. different. And I think it helps that I've been with these characters for a while and I don't necessarily right. need to write all this out to figure them out, but it's a different process, like totally, totally different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, like you said, it helped with the editing and especially when you get into more complicated stories with multiple characters and multiple arcs and yeah i get to a point where i can't do it unless i plan because otherwise i end up rewriting everything four times and you know that just takes a long long time to do it does after this book i think we had to write like a nice simple straightforward single perspective book. <laughs> so take a break <laughs> yeah that's yeah. me i'm like uncluttered narrative what does that mean i, I don't even know what that means <laughs> who's that <laughs> 
nobody writes that stuff. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's really just not how fantasy goes, is it? No. Well, yeah, certainly not. No, for the most part. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say certainly not like epic fantasy. I don't know. I'm sure there's some like young adult and children's fantasy that's pretty simple, but most yeah. fantasy, yeah, it's kind of complicated. Yeah, usually it's like 17 characters and 12 different subplots and <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just how it goes, but well, and I mean, this, I mean, the reason I write it is because I love that stuff. I think it makes for a more, um, just a richer fantasy world, you know, because you can kind of weave it all together. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely more complicated to write, so. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, yeah. well, this is all good stuff. And at least I know my next steps now. Good. Just to make some formal lists and get out of the really messy brainstorming stage and start crunching it down a little bit more and plotting yeah. it out, but. Well, and the other thing I do, and, and I mean, yeah, it's just, it, it becomes a, a process is I actually have things like notes. I use Evernote on my phone. And I just have lists and lists and lists of stuff that I've found or thought of that I thought was interesting. And I have no idea how I'm going to incorporate any of it or if I will. But yeah. what I do when I start planning a new arc or a new character is I, you know, I go through everything that I have. I go through my internal arcs, my external arcs and, and do the best that I can. But then I'll go through that and just find like my little blurbs of things I've written down. Well, hmm, if I could find a story to incorporate this into, this would be interesting. And I, I just kind of look through all my arcs and go, where could I incorporate that? Or could I, you know? And then you can, you can even use that as a jumping off point to you know what I mean? If you have like either something that you're not sure how you're going to do it, or if you have just like, you have an art form, but it's like extremely boring and not very, um, what's the word? Like, it's just not very distinctive, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you put something like that in there and that can like flavor the entire arc and make it really, really cool and really unique. So like I said, yeah, just spend an afternoon going through Pinterest or going through writing fantasy writing prompts or, you know, and, and even sometimes it's even fun to branch out to, you know, even though you don't write it, write or look at, um, you know, murder mystery prompts or something, just because it can kind of get your juices flowing if you're applying something like that to a fantasy story. And, yeah. you know, just a way something to- Fantasies, everything fits in there. I feel like right. this is every genre. Right. Yeah. Do you publish your notes? Cause that would be really cool to look at. To see. <laughs> Like, I love looking at that stuff from other writers. Like some of them draw it out and it's very visual and others it's very just list, list, list. And that would be neat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I can certainly, I've never published them anywhere, but I can send them to you guys if you want. Um, and I understand why you wouldn't. That's like private stuff, but it's still cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, yeah, I mean, you could say I don't want anyone else to steal the ideas, but at the same time, I, I don't even worry about that that much because even if somebody did, no way yeah. two people are going to write the exact same story. Even if, I mean, you know, how many writing prompts are on Pinterest that yeah, 10,000 authors that. use and nobody writes the same book, you know, so it's not even that big yeah. deal. But yeah, I can, I can definitely send them to you so you can see them. I, I don't know that they'll make a whole lot of sense to you, but I mean, I pull from everywhere. Like some of them, I don't even know how I came up with them. Either somebody said something or, you know, how sometimes you'll just be like watching a movie and something will strike you and it doesn't even have anything to do with that movie. It's just something mm -hmm. that was inspirational. And some of them are quotes from, I think I've got a quote from a Stephen King book. I've got quotes from the last unicorn book. I've got just all kinds of things, you know, that I kind of um, draw from. And yeah, anyway, I can send you those. That'd be cool. <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, anything else I can help you with, with, well, for this particular session, for this particular book? Well, it feels pretty good now. I feel like I Got a few more clicks of the Rubik's Cube there. <laughs> what I need to do next on, I mean, it looks like I need to do the exact same thing for all of my different subplots. It's just internal, yeah. external arcs and what are the scenes? What do they need? How do they get it? Yeah. 
And remember when you're writing your scenes to have something that turns in the scene so that they have something new that they didn't have before, which if it's based on something they're learning, you'll be doing that pretty naturally. Mm -hmm. um, what else was I gonna say? The scene's gotta turn. That's something else I was gonna say. I don't remember what it was. But yeah, I mean, that's that's what I, what I was gonna say. I didn't even finish, but I um, I do tend to have brainstorming sessions that I don't usually keep because I write them by hand and <laughs> you can't tell what they are anyway. Um, but then what I'll do is I, I do distill it down kind of into more of a list just so that I know what I'm writing for each arc and for each chapter. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I do. It, it almost feels like a waste of paper or something sometimes because I start out writing and I have all these pages. I remember doing this with Intercon. I had all this stuff, like 15 pages worth of stuff. And then I went through and I went, okay, that's gotta be in this chapter. And I would cross it off. That's gotta be over here, cross it off. And then I would kind of go through and kind of throw pages away as I got them into the more, you know, streamlined, um, chronological that made some sort of sense uh, <laughs> outline, you know? So I, I do go through like almost drafts of planning and drafts of outlines which doesn't it doesn't take as long as it might sound like I mean usually it takes a few days per book just do it for two or three days and then I have a pretty decent you know thing to work from as I actually start writing so two or three days wow I've been at this for weeks <laughs> <laughs> that's why I use the system <laughs> I have a system that yeah. works for me you know <laughs> figuring out a system I need to go this because I just pretty much just dump a bunch of crap onto a page and then I start putting it in somewhat of, you know, some sort of order, but then I keep getting stuck, you know, a lot like I do when I'm just writing and I don't have a very methodical approach and I'm working on getting that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it takes longer too, depending on how many, because like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm doing dragon magic and I do have an idea of like mm -hmm. how it's going to end and where I'm going with each character, but I don't have the entire series mapped out. Like right now I'm working on like three different projects. And then when I'm done, I plan to sit down and do like a really massive deep dive for that series, which will probably take me, you know, probably a week or more. Um, but for right now, I'm just kind of doing the short-term stuff while I <laughs> get my other projects finished. So <laughs> works. Yeah. Whatever works. You gotta do what works. Cool. Well, thank you so much. You're always so good at getting me unstuck. Yeah. It's just a matter really. I mean, I mean, you can do it with anybody. It's just a matter of batting around ideas helps you get creative. That's why we like group, right? <laughs> Yeah, yep. Been in the cave with it for weeks. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just need to come out and here's what I have. What do I do? Right, right. Cool. Yeah, well, and like I said, if you get stuck, I, I'm, I'm all about when I get stuck on something, I'll either go to those notes on my phone or I'll just open up Google or Pinterest or like <laughs> literally the, before I wrote this Raleigh chapter, I was researching um, sea serpent mythology. <laughs> Ooh. which is really fun and then you just start writing things down and go, oh that could work oh maybe i could do water dragons <laughs> yeah that would be cool yes so yeah. um anyway like i said i mean anything like go start reading mythology go start will do but, all right well good luck with all the outlining okay so what did you all think of the interview i hope that you got some value out of that and that it maybe helps you with some of the things you're struggling with. Just to recap some of the ways that we talked about that you could use to show backstory or to show, kind of have your characters, uh, you know, have a window into another character's backstory. So we talked about um, Harry Potter and the Pensieve and how JK Rowling did that. Here are the five ways that we um, very specifically mentioned. You could use a magical object to kind of transport them into that backstory. You can have other characters purposefully, you know, in some way placing that backstory where your character will see or read about it. 
You can have um, the character whose backstory you are trying to convey tell someone or show someone else. Of course, there's the find a book, find a letter, and read about it. And then one thing I mentioned too is it would be really fun to have a character see something or hear something that's kind of innocuous, but not really understand the significance of that. And then, you know, later kind of put it together and then suddenly like have this light bulb moment where the backstory becomes clear. So yeah, I hope that you guys can use that in your own writing. And thanks so much to uh, Michaela Sawyer for coming on and, you know, kind of putting yourself out there and her work out there to help everyone else. Okay. And before you go, what about you? Do you need help hashing out your plot or your characters? Do you need help with your manuscript at all? Details, um, backstory, anything like that? Do you need help with your marketing or maybe the writing itself, how to get processes in place so that you can get those words written uh, consistently and be prolific? If any of that at all applies to you, feel free to book a clarity call with me, an author clarity call at, you guessed it, bit.ly forward slash author clarity. And let me help you get this stuff hashed out so that we can um, keep you going, keep those gears spinning and get you on the way to building your fiction author empire. And I'll be back on Thursday with a great interview from YouTube author Jenna Moresi. Have a great week of writing. Me again. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network, and tag me at LK Hill Books. Remember, the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.